does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. We're going to welcome in Tony East. Covers the Pacers for SI, for sports, also hosts the Locked On Pacers podcast. Joining us here on The Fan. Tony, uh, I've been uh, griping about the NBA starting free agency at 6 p.m. Eastern on a Friday. That's like the news dump cycle over it. Why would they... <laughs> When they started at 5 p.m. on a Friday, I would go midweek, beginning of the week, something where you get all the talking heads speaking about your product. It's better for business. Are you with me on that? Look, look, look. I could complain about their off-season timing for hours, and that would not make for good radio. All I'll say is it's June 30th every year, so it just happens to suck this year. Next year, it's the leap year, so it'll be on a Sunday. That's way better. It can lead off the week. Yes, I agree. Friday at 6 p.m. is... The absolute worst time for this to happen. Yeah, they should do it like holidays, Tony, right? Where it's like, hey, it's, the, it's the third of Saturday of the month. Like, right? why wouldn't they do that? It's the, it should be. What, what are we looking at right now? It's the last, I don't know, whatever it would be. It's the last Wednesday of the month. That's the way it should be. It shouldn't be June 30th. They're screwing this thing up here. The NBA draft ended like two seconds ago. Like, can't we talk about that for a few seconds yeah. before we hop right into the other thing? And the draft is like two seconds after the finals. Can't we talk about the Nuggets for more than like a day? I hate how fast this all is. We have two months after this. Yeah. So you're not stressed? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just a, a guy talking on the radio. Imagine working for a team and having to go through all that day after day after day for a couple of weeks. It's It's crazy. When you and I have talked in the past, Tony, we've always discussed Chris Duarte as a potential odd man out and now appears from Shams Tarania that that is indeed what's going to occur, a package with the Pacers and the Kings and some draft capital being sent back that hasn't been confirmed yet what it will be. Your reaction to those reports, now you have a story on it on SI.com, but your reaction to those reports and what, if anything, changes about the Pacers' direction or avenues they can travel when free agency begins this evening yeah we've been talking about that a lot for good reason and i think the reason is that especially after the draft they just have a ton of guys who are kind of that two three mold and not enough minutes to give them all time right buddy healed on the team benedict matherin andrew nemhard aaron neesmith and then they just drafted ben shepherd late in the first round i don't think he'll be in the rotation but that's just a lot of guys to to feed and give the appropriate minutes to and a lot of them are young who the Pacers either drafted or traded for because they wanted them. Like, you want to invest in those guys and give them time, but you can't give all of them the appropriate amount of minutes. So the question was always who should be the odd guy out. Maybe it would be healed if you know, he's on that expiring contract and is a veteran, or maybe it's Duarte because he definitely had the worst year of any of those guys last year. So especially with the addition of Shepard, to me it made sense that they would either try to clear that up or somebody would be playing in a funky position this year, and it sounds like – yeah, we don't have any reporting on what the, the return is just yet. I've been trying to figure it out uh, throughout the day. But, uh, yeah, he's headed to the Kings. They have cap space to take him in, so who knows exactly what, uh, what this return could look like. There's no required matching salary. But it makes sense why they would have moved to one of their kind of two, three types. The question is who to be in Duarte always kind of made a lot of sense. So 
at least from that perspective, it makes sense why the Pacers would do this. But we'll see what the compensation is and what it allows them to do to really judge what this what this move is. You know, Tony, let's go to Fantasyville here for a second, okay? If you could wave the magic basketball wand of all the free agents available, like forget about what the Pacers cap looks like, forget about all that, you could magically make it happen with any of the free agents, which one would you choose for the Pacers? Yeah, I've been saying for a couple weeks the dream target for them is Jeremy Grant. Uh, He's had three seasons in a row near or over 20 points per game with different franchises, too, and in different roles. One with Detroit in the last couple with Portland. I might have that backwards, but uh, he was awesome for the Blazers last year. He can shoot it from deep. He can score and create his own shot on the inside. He's a great defender, and he can play the three and the four. That's like every box the Pacers would theoretically want to check in a player. This summer, he would give them so much more firepower on both ends of the floor. In theory, they can't afford him. It's just the Blazers are incentivized to pay him a ton of money in real life. But in fantasy land, I mean, that's as good of a fit as there is to me on the market right now. And they could find a way to plug him in. I mean, he could play next to Jarris Walker or at the four next to Miles Turner in a, in a shooting group. He could play alongside Halliburton with these because he's got some bounce and athleticism. He's played for Team USA before. Like, he's got high-level hoops experience. He'd be the dream fit to me if, if you got rid of the money aspect for this offseason. It's something like the neighborhood of $40 million a year. I think Portland could go and offer him, if I read that correctly, if they wanted to totally break the bank and retain him. <laughs> if he goes elsewhere, what do you think the dollar amount yearly would be for him? Maybe not in Indiana because perhaps they get outpriced by it, but what would be the commanding offer amount for him on the free agent market if it's not in Portland? If you're just shy of all-star level, you know, you're probably at least a $30 million player in the new cap environment. Like, that's shy of the max for any player. Um, so I would guess in that 30 to $35 million range for three or four years, so like three for 100 or four for 125 something like that makes a lot of sense to me for for what his value could look like. But, I mean, I think Portland is going to take even more to make sure that he doesn't go somewhere else because – they got to do everything they can to convince Damian Lillard to stay with that team, assuming that's the path they still want to take. And keeping Jeremy Grant is certainly an important part of that. Talking Pacers with Tony East here on The Fan. This might be a little unfair, okay? But you're a smart man, Tony. So I'm going to expand it beyond the Pacers. I'm going to expand it beyond basketball for a second. Who do you think makes the bigger year one impact? Is it going to be Jarris Walker or is it going to be quarterback Anthony Richardson with the Colts? Oh, that's a good question. And I love running quarterbacks. I think the way the NFL is trending, they just have such good opportunity. And I think that given where the teams are, the answer is going to be Anthony Richardson, right? I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's confirmed he'll start right away with the Colts, right? But once he's out there, I mean, he's going to be able to break down defenses with his legs in a way that no Colts quarterback has in a long time. And he'll have a lot of grace and reps to do it and figure out what he can do with his arm in the NFL level and start to read those defenses. And I think Jarris Walker is going to play a pretty good amount for the Pacers. In fact, since Rick Carlisle became the coach, both of their last two lottery picks have played at just over 28 minutes per game. Uh, Duarte being one of those guys, fittingly. So I think that makes a lot of sense, whether that's as a starter off the bench. We've seen, you know, Mather and Duarte kind of fill both roles. So about that, but he doesn't really have the kind of game that just makes you scream like instant impact guy uh, right away in the NBA. Maybe his defense will be that good right away. We'll see. So I think Richardson's got a better shot just given the Colt situation, although admittedly my 
football knowledge is pretty weak. But Walker, I think, is going to be a guy that just kind of slowly grows into his role in the NBA and has a really long career uh, with whatever team, including the Pacers, that he could be with. Tony, what did you make of Harrison Barnes deciding to stay in Sacramento and, and the price points that he was able to, to stay out there in Sacktown? Yeah, I think that that's good money for him at $18 million a year. I actually thought he'd get a little more uh, per year, so that was interesting to me. But there's something to say about liking where you live and extending, obviously, suggests that he does. And, you know, there was reporting. The Pacers, you know, certainly could be interested in him, and it made a lot of sense, right? I think we talked about that on this show a couple times. There's his connections to Carlisle and Halliburton, and they're not like, you know, passing connections. Like, I think there's a story about uh, Carlisle at Harrison Barnes' wedding. Like, th- these guys are close. So uh, it made a lot of sense to me that that could be something that made sense for the Pacers, and he returns to the Kings now. Perhaps that suggests the Kings couldn't get the, the free agent that they wanted, so they're pivoting to using their cap space on their own guys like Barnes and renegotiate Sabonis. Obviously, Duarte apparently in the mix there now. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were in on Barnes the whole time. It sounds like they circled back on him. James Hayam out in Sacramento reported a couple days ago that they circled back on that. So who knows what their plans truly were uh, or are. But yeah, he's a good player, right? He was good for them in the regular season last year in their best season in almost two decades. Like You kind of keep that team around to the extent that you can reasonably. And as good of a fit as he would have been for the Pacers, especially at that price point, I think it makes sense for him to stay, especially somewhere where he's liked and fits in well. So, yeah, I think he would have fit the local team here, but I, I'm not surprised at all that he's staying with the Kings either. Tony, you see what these these aprons, like in the luxury tax, where if you go over that second apron, they really lower the boom. There are a lot of penalties as a result of that. Do you see that having a big impact on parity being better in the NBA, also coupled with the salary floor where teams have to spend X amount of money. Do you think we're going to see a little bit more NFL-like parity in the NBA in the coming years? I do, yeah. We've already kind of started to see it, although you know, sort of the, the superstars kind of aging out and the player empowerment era of the last couple of years has contributed to this. But, I mean, we've had five different champions in the last five years already – and now it's a lot harder to do what the well, basically what the Suns are doing. It's a lot harder to do what the Suns are doing and have, you know, three really expensive stars. You can have two and then a really good third player or something. Or you know, if you're not worried about the aprons, you could do it. But then you're screwed, screwed in a couple of years when you know the Piper comes. But yeah, I think that 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 is a big encouragement and a big goal for the NBA is. You know, we want every team to have a chance. If they team build correctly and smartly to be able to have every team think that they have a shot and be able to at their best be a championship contender. And, again, we've seen that in the last five years. But, you know, the, the, if you look at the NBA landscape this coming season, like I've talked about this, I think, on the show too, like if every team in the East except the Wizards could have playoff goals this coming season. Maybe not Detroit, but we'll see what they do. And in the West, like if Houston goes for it, same kind of deal. Like, maybe outside of the Spurs with Lembediama, every single team would want to make the playoffs and improve this next season. And, you know, maybe if it's even 26 or 25 teams all pushing to win at the same time, that's unheard of in the NBA standards. I mean, even as many as three years ago, you'd have, you know, seven, eight, obviously not going to make the playoff teams that were rebuilding and, you know, getting ready for the next wave of transactions. Now I think a lot more teams – because the rules are more balanced, because teams have kind of figured out the best way to accelerate rebuilds and get the right pieces in the door, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more parity now, a lot more teams going for it at the same time, which is great for the league. Like, any given night, anything can happen. I think that's good for the NBA. Tony, 
other wings that are potentially available for the Pacers. Tony East with us of Sports Illustrated and Locked On Pacers. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony R. East. If the Pacers do indeed decide to go the route of Kyle Kuzma, who's been another wing that's been rumored to them, what type of price tag are you looking at in terms of the cap space they have available and what Kuzma might demand on a three- or four-year deal? Yeah, fascinated to see what Kuzma gets because he can certainly score, but he's also been a high-volume scorer for a lot of his career. Like His efficiency numbers have never been amazing. His defense has never been amazing, even though he is certainly a good player and has won a championship before. So where he grades out from a price perspective or what kind of team, and it sounds like Houston has some interest in him, actually gets them will be fascinating to see. I think he'll be about a 25 to $28 million per year player, if I had to guess. Um, like a little bit better than a solid starter payment, but not quite the upper echelon level of payment. We'll see what it takes, though. It could be another, you know, a lot of guys, if they get a shorter deal, they want more dollars per year and vice versa. So maybe like four for 100 or three for 80 or something like that would make sense for a guy like Kuzma. Pacers can certainly afford that, especially after this Duarte trade, depending on what they get back. I don't know if they'll have interest in Kuzma. He doesn't seem like the perfect fit with what they need, especially on the defensive end of the floor, even though he's definitely talented and, a lot of fans seem to have a lot of interest in what he could bring to the team, but that's exa- about what I think his price would be, and I'll be curious uh, if he can get it and what team it is. Uh, before you go, Tony, um, uh, we were comparing notes together, myself and Jimmy, today. I want to know, of all the places you've gone to as a sports fan, right? Like, what is the most famous game that you were there in attendance for? Uh, I was at a Cole Hamels no-hitter at oh, Wrigley nice. Field a couple of years ago. Uh, and I'm a Phillies fan, so that was fantastic. And it was really fun. Like, I think by the eighth inning, because the cut, it was like a lot of walks. I think he had six or seven walks, so it wasn't a perfect game. But because he walked so many guys, no one kind of realized it until, like, halfway through the eighth inning, and everyone was like, oh, he's a no-hitter. And then all of a sudden, the Cubs fans were rooting against their team. The Cubs fans wanted to see the no-hitter, too, because you want to see the history. So it was really fun to actually see one in person. I mean, the odds of that are extremely small and it was just like a random june or july i can't remember game i think it was one nothing was the final score too it was about as random as it gets but uh at wrigley field the you know hitter i think that'll go down as one of the best sports memories i'll ever have okay and your favorite venue with whatever oh. sport what's at the top of the list uh pnc and pittsburgh is really sweet um i'd have to think about this i've been to many baseballs i loved uh, coors field as well Colorado. I like baseball stadiums the best. That's why I'm just gravitating towards those as my venue choices. Um, The Little Caesars Arena for the Pistons and the Red Wings is also awesome. That'd be my winner for basketball. But I think for baseball, my winner would probably be Coors Field, although there's a lot of good choices. There's a lot of great baseball stadiums. Okay, last one. Maybe the most important. Least favorite venue. Oh, man. (laughs) Um Nothing about Quick and Loans Arena for the Cavs is particularly standout. It's like this big glass wall on the outside. Like it's like the arena's inside the glass wall. It's kind of strange. It doesn't look the best. Um, that's, yeah, I think that'd probably be my least favorite. I'm having trouble thinking of some other easy candidates. I just always have good times at sporting events, so it's hard to say, oh, I hated this place or loved that place or anything like that. No, no doubt. Well, well done, Tony. We know you a little bit better, you know? <laughs> I feel like this was very, very uh, very good here today. Well, hey, enjoy News Dump Free Agency. Got to have it on June 30th, Tony. Got to have that. But uh, enjoy that and enjoy the weekend as well, man. Of course, you guys do the same. Thanks, Tony. All right, thank you. There he is, Tony East. Covers the Pacers for SI, Forbes Sports, host the Locked On Pacers podcast.
I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. Man, it is a good day when we get to talk to JJ Stankovitz. Very excited writer for Colts.com, PA voice for the Colts, joining us here on the fan. Uh, JJ, how are things going, man? Uh, where are you in terms of it's NBA free agency that's starting at no. 6 p.m. on a news no. dump Friday? You know, that, that's the news what? going on in the NBA. What, what's going on? What's at the top of your mind in the NFL on this Friday? Uh, getting away from it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, it's, come on, it's June 30th. Uh, the the Colts are kind enough to close the office for the week of the 4th of July, give all staff that week off. So uh, I am getting out of the country. I'm going to go to Europe with my wife for a couple of days uh, and uh, not think about football for a little bit. Because when I get back, when that plane touches back down at Indianapolis International Airport, uh, it is going to be a six-month sprint. Oof. From getting ready for training camp, to training camp, to preseason, regular season, hopefully playoffs, uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll catch uh, another breather again come about mid-February. So where are you going in Europe? So one of my best friends is uh, getting married in Scotland, so I'm going to a castle outside of Edinburgh. That's awesome. And then uh, my wife and I's anniversary is July 7th. We're already going to be in Europe a couple days before it, so he said, all right, why don't we just stay in Europe? So we're going to go to Bordeaux in France, drink some nice wine, have a good time down there, and then come on back. That's awesome, man. How long is the flight that we're looking at here initially? Uh, You'd be surprised how short the flight is uh, to Scotland. It's only about five hours and 50 minutes in the air. It's like not even enough time to get good sleep, as if like plain (laughs) sleep is ever good sleep. but look at me, Mr. World Traveler, getting to go to Europe twice because I'll get to go again in November. Wow. Uh, never did I ever think I would get to go to Europe twice in a year, but here we are. It's pretty cool. That's really cool, man. That's awesome. Uh, I could do the whole interview just based on your travels. You know, I don't know, Jimmy, if you're down, let's just talk traveling with JJ. That's a, that's a uh, June no. conversation. If I've ever heard. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk some Colts, but uh, what are you most looking forward to out of all these places that you're going on this trip? I think I'm most looking forward to the winery tour my wife and I are doing on our anniversary in Bordeaux. Uh, That I think is going to be really cool. Um, I like, I've become more of a wine guy as I've got older. Like, I think that just happens naturally. Uh, So I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited to drink some like good wine and just enjoy the French countryside for a little bit. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. Where does the opportunity to go to Europe twice rank with, if I'm reading this right, securing a player selection of 0.02% and 0.009% in MLB's immaculate grid. Because you tweeted about that the other day. And for those that don't know, uh, I'll let let JJ explain it because I don't play it well. I'm very bad. But immaculate grid is the latest crazed in the MLB. And I've heard people shoot for the game within the game, which is make a player guess that is not selected by other players, that type of metric, less than 1% and less than a hundredth of a percent is insane, JJ. Yeah, I mean, look, again, this is a June conversation. What I, The sport I am most invested in right now is playing Immaculate Grid to remember some guys. Uh, and I grew up a White Sox fan, so I have, like, weird knowledge of the White Sox. So when they were a category in Immaculate Grid and you had to match a player who played for the White Sox and Dodgers, a player who played for the White Sox and Yankees, I was like, I got some guys. 
that no one listening to this radio broadcast will even know who they are. And I felt great about it. Just great. Like I thought <laughs> the dopamine hit that your brain gets when you remember some guys, you're like, ah, I remember that guy. Like this morning I tweeted it. I was like, I forgot. I hadn't thought about Placido Polanco in probably 15 years. And this morning I thought about, Oh, remember that guy? Yeah. That was great. It's the, it's the tweet, the tweet of, Men will just sit around and name random sports athletes instead of going to therapy. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm just sitting around ra- naming random sports athletes. It's great. <laughs> um, by the way, JJ, we were talking about this earlier, too. The most famous game that you've been to, right? We just had the perfect game with the Yankees a couple of nights ago. Is there a game that you would say maybe doesn't compare to that, but it's the most famous that you've been to in person? This is good. Uh, let me give you a couple. So, as a fan, I went to Mark Burley's perfect game. That was really cool. That was awesome. Um, As a reporter, I got to cover Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, where the Cubs Cubs won it. Uh, That's probably up there. Um, Covered a BCS championship when Notre Dame got waxed by Alabama. Uh, The 42-14 game? (sighs) Yep. Where Capron Lewis Moore had a tackle for a loss in the first play of the game, and it was downhill from there. Uh, <laughs> there's another guy to remember. Remember him? You're oh, Notre yeah. Dame guy. Absolutely yeah. remember him. Yeah, yeah. How so, the Cook household yeah. turned in a matter that of seconds. That was the wasn't that J, That was the Tyler Eifert. I can't remember. You'd probably remember. It's like yeah. the sideline throw from Everett Golson. It yeah. should have been. It was a catch. It was ruled incomplete or something. Not like it would have made a difference, but that was right. another play. You never know. Momentum starts to shift. Uh, I mean, you never know. Oh, uh, you're right. You'd never, you'd never know that if that pass to Tyler Eifert got completed, that Notre Dame would have been able to hang with an <laughs> Alabama team that has the best players on the planet. I mean, Who is I mean, to say? I, I remember that game at halftime, one of my friends cover uh, worked in the South Florida Sun Sentinel, and it's actually a friend who's getting married next week. And I turned him at halftime, and he, he goes, man, that tail looks awful. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Come to find out, well, there was some stuff going on there. Yeah. Oh, man. Whole lot of baggage going on at that We've time. We've seen ghosts. Yeah, that was that's a, he was Sam Darnold before Darnold is what was going on. Um, okay, how about this, too? <laughs> this seems like we're in the heart of June. We have cold stuff, I promise you, but I like you can this. You talk about cold stuff whenever you want, but this yeah. is great. Yeah, um, the, the, the venue that you love the most that you've been to. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Fenway Park's up there. Fenway Park's really cool. Uh, Lambeau Field. I'll actually go, I'll, I'll go Lambeau Field. Um, parking and, like, getting to park and just, someone's yard and walking into a pro football stadium uh-huh. uh, and you just walk in there like I remember the first time I walked in there, and you just walk in there and you think about everything that's happened at that stadium yeah. and how little has really changed with it over the years um, and then you know you are just kind of in the middle of a neighborhood it, it's really special uh, yeah Lamb- Lambeau Field's it for me there and, and how about the least favorite venue that you've been to the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome will live in my nightmares the rest of my life. This is awful. Oh, my goodness. And, like, growing up in Chicago, you know, you watch these Bears games, and it's like, oh, there's Dante Culpepper with an 80-yard pass to Randy Moss. Woo! Like the Vikings. Oh, yeah. The and, 
Yeah. The, the Twins were just a pain in the butt of the White Sox when I was growing up. And I went to a, a game there once, and it was just a dump. It, it was just like the, the most miserable place on the, on the planet as far as I'm concerned. Hey, I'm and that's the it, same. I'm, it's the I'm same stadium. Caved in. Yeah, I was about to say that's with all the snow and the roof caved in. That's the same thing you're talking about, right? I mean, that place, when that place, you know, got demolished, it was like, oh, thank God. That place can never torment me again. <laughs> Are there any plans to see any famous stadiums or arenas while you go through your trip through Europe? I know that the, the soccer season is kind of in its off season in that regard for a lot of the, the bigger leagues around the world. But any, any sightseeing of sports venues? Probably not. Um, I don't know if I care too much about the uh, Fitbah League, which is the Scottish <laughs> Premier League. Um, you know, sorry to anyone who's a Celtic or a Rangers fan out Just there. Just lost half our audience. Uh, and then I have, honestly, I have no idea if Bordeaux even has a soccer team. They probably do, but I don't I have no idea. So probably not. Although uh, I will say uh, the Tour de France actually runs through Bordeaux when we're there, but we're going to be on the wine tour I mentioned. So I'll actually miss oh. seeing the Tour de France stage, which would have been cool, but I'd rather do, honestly, probably rather do the wine tour. How about this? J.J. Stankovic joining us here. Colts.com, also PA voice for the Colts. So you're taking this trip to Europe. You're unplugging completely from Colts mania. But when you get back and it's all systems go, what storyline are you looking most forward to covering, Colts related? What's the storyline you're least looking forward to covering? So let me just get get the Richardson stuff out of the way. Like, obviously, that's the storyline I'm the most looking forward to covering because he's the quarterback picked fourth overall. That's going to be fascinating. But I'm actually starting, you know, I've been writing this week just some stuff to go up while I'm away. And looking at some of these storylines that are going on here, uh, you know, I kind of started with the defense. And the the cornerback competition, to me, like looking at the athleticism in that group, and the guys who just, like, check the boxes for the traits that Gus Bradley looks for. I know there's a lot of consternation about, okay, what are the Colts going to do with Isaiah Rogers, you know, not on the team anymore? Like, I think they got some guys. Like, at the very least, they have, they have the athleticism in that group that I think, you know, you got probably five guys you're looking at. Uh, you know, the three draft picks from this year, Juju Brent, Darius Rush, Jalen Jones, and then uh, Dallas Flowers who played a little bit last year. And then this, this kid, Daryl Baker Jr., when I was just going through the measurables on this team, I'm looking at him and I'm like, this guy ran like a 4-4, has a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, has like a 78-inch wingspan. I'm like, I think this guy fits what the Colts are looking for at that position, so don't count him out too um, You know, when we get up to Westfield. So that's one I'm looking forward to, to seeing. Uh, and then the tight end competition. That, that's another one where that's going to be really competitive. Fascinated to see how that plays out and who winds up making the roster. The stuff that I'm probably the least looking forward to, like it, it's probably anything to do with the offensive line, just because it's so hard to tell. Like it's so hard to tell during training camp if the line as a unit is where it needs to be because it's it's live but it's not. You know. Um, and to me, that like that's something. Let's just get to the games with that one. Like, I, I just want to see those five guys in the games. Obviously, there's going to be some competition at right guard to see where that goes. But like, let's just get to the games and see how they fare under uh, Tony Sperano Jr. JJ, now that 
the Isaiah Rogers situation is behind you as you look at just the, the stories that you've covered and the uniqueness of this angle, plus the swift action from Chris Ballard to, to cut ties. What are your takeaways now that this is removed and hopefully in the rear view for the Colts as they continue the countdown towards training camp? Yeah, I mean, you know, Isaiah had been away from the team for a little while before this. Um, so the Colts had already kind of not necessarily moved on until, you know, the, the investigation had ended. But from a practice standpoint and from a, you know, meeting and availability standpoint, he wasn't there. So, you know, that kind of lent itself to like, okay, like some of these guys are going to get some chances. Uh, and it's, you know, it's happening a little earlier than, uh, you know, you, you might have thought. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is what it is. Uh, you know, we'll kind of leave it at the statement Chris Ballard put out. But, um, you know, I'm not – I guess I'm not – super worried about the cornerback room just because Gus Bradley does have a pretty good history of getting young players on the back end of the defense up to speed quickly. And all those guys, like I mentioned, they have the traits that Gus Bradley wants. They have length. They have, you know, a lot of height in that room. You got good speed. You have explosive athletes. Um, it, it would be one thing if the Colts didn't have a lot of talent to work with there. They don't have a lot of experience, but they have talent. And to me, I think that's going to lead to some really interesting stuff going on in training camp. I'm curious where you stand on this. We were kicking this around just for week one. Um, we see Isaiah Rogers. He's suspended for the entire season, no longer a member of the Colts. And then you look at the left tackle, Cam Robinson, with the Jags. He's suspended for four games, JJ, for violating the PED policy. So just for Jags-Colts week one, which do you think is the bigger loss? Is it the corner, Isaiah Rogers, or is it the left tackle, Cam Robinson? I mean, I think it's the left tackle, and that's just taking – if you just told me two names, I would say the left tackle 100 times out of 100. Um, but then, you know, add in Cam Robinson's been there a while. He's a veteran on that team. Um, you know, he's a good, solid left tackle. Like, he's a, he's a left tackle you can win with, uh, and, and those guys are not easy to find in the NFL. You know, Isaiah Rogers, a lot of people are penciling him in to be a starter, but he's still going to have to compete. I mean, the Colts drafted three cornerbacks in April before anyone knew this was going on. And to me, that, that, is, that was a sure signal. Like, Isaiah Rogers is going to have to really compete to even start this year. So, again, you know, I see a lot of, well, Colts lost his starting cornerback, and I kind of say they, they might not have. There's a chance that he might not have started this year if this stuff didn't happen. JJ, you're the man. I hope the trip goes swimmingly. Uh, what do you think the most obnoxious picture you're going to take will be well, at? You know what I mean? Like what venue will be in the background? Well, we're doing one night in Paris at the end of the trip. So like, you know, pick your landmark. Uh, I'll probably <laughs> that, like, I'll probably do that like dumb tourist one where like you take your hand, like your, your thumb and your uh, middle finger and you kind of like, look, I'm holding the other power Uh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe try to recreate some john wick four around that area you know i don't know you do something nutty like that i often get compared to john wick so yeah i'll try to do that (laughs) (laughs) all right jj man enjoy the trip we'll catch you later all right brian and jimmy thanks guys thank you there he is jj stankovitz writer for colts.com pa voice for the colts